0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. We've been speaking over the last number of weeks about the importance and the significance of Christ in me. And so I want to continue with that this morning and I want to talk about that a little bit more and, and spring into that. You know, the thing is, there was a time when we were in spiritual darkness. There was a time where we didn't really understand spiritual things and what happens over time is, I found that it, as the Holy Spirit starts to bring revelation and illumination, we start to recognize him more and more. We start to identify the way that he works more and more. And our ability to be able to partner with him. Um, Dave, can you pull this down? Our ability to be able to partner with him begins to, to shift and change. It becomes so important for us to, to have a deep revelation and be grounded on the truth that Christ is in you. Christ is in you. Everywhere you go, He is there with you. There is not an encounter that you have. There is not a situation that you walk into. There is not anything that you face where He doesn't, He is not there with you. And I think what becomes important for us as Christians is we're moving to a space more and more. where We're moving from being people who are naturally grounded and naturally rooted and who live from a natural disposition to people who are more spiritual in the way that we approach things. People who are more spiritually focused and we are looking for the Christ that's resident on the, with, on the inside of us to make an appearance. We want to be people who used to be, I once was blind, but now I see. As I walk into situations, I used to be blind in the way that I handled the situation and all I could rely on was my own ability and my own knowledge and my own experience and everything that I had and suddenly it's like I can begin to see and I can live from a different place. It begins to create a people who are peculiar. I've got so much kind of running around in so many directions so we're going to just kind of go and navigate and... Yeah, that's what I say. Um, So there was this, we had a lady who was at the church and she came to me and she said, I've got such a big issue. She said, the problem that I have is, um, can we pull this down, Dave? I don't know what's up here. I've got quite a bad echo up here. Um, She came to to me and she said, I've got this challenge. I, I only have one daughter, but she is in a dreadful, dreadful relationship. She's not married to this guy. She's living with him. It is verbally and emotionally abusive, and she told me the whole story about what was going on. and I, And she was like, "I'm trying to fix her, and I'm trying to change it, and I'm trying to work in the situation, and I'm trying to get some stuff." And I've been speaking to her about God, and I've been giving her wisdom, and I've been giving her all of the stuff, and I've been trying to counsel her in the circumstances and situations, and nothing happened. And she continued with that. And she continued with that. And she continued. And after a few months, I said, How are you doing? And she said, You know what? I've got this daughter of mine, and she's married to this daughter. And she's going, and she said. Like, blah, 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 blah. And so I said to her, What did God tell you? And she looked at me. And she said, But I told her what she needs to do. And I've been telling her that she should get out of this relationship. I said, What did God tell you? I said, you know, the challenge with it is this, we want to get involved in the situation because we're well motivated and we love the person who's involved. The problem with it is you are not their savior. The challenge with it is you want to get involved in something because you're trying to rectify and you're trying to remedy a situation. The fact of the matter is there's some places that you can't go and there's some places that you're going to have to rely on God to do some stuff. And I said, maybe it's the opportunity and maybe what he's inviting you into is to allow him to do some stuff in that situation and for you to take your hands off. Well, she left the church and she never came back. (laughs) So there you go. Take that. Last time I counsel anyone. (laughs) See what happens when I counsel them, They, they never come back. What is it about control? All of us have a a, a natural inclination and a natural affinity for control. We like to control things. If you say you don't, just say, Lord, forgive me for my lies. (laughs) But what is it about control? Why do we want to control things? Because there's something about control that gives us a sense that we can manage the situation. You see, what ends up happening is I become the source of what happens in that situation. When I control it, it means that I feel that I'm comfortable because I know that I'm empowered in a a particular situation to know what words are spoken, what I can do in there, what my capacities are, what my capabilities are. I can do all of these different things. I know that I can manage it. I know that I can handle it. And so what I like to do is I like to put myself on the throne of my life. I like to empower myself as being the one who's responsible for governing my life. I like to govern my life. You know why? Because I trust myself. And that's not all. The reason is not only because I trust myself, but it's because I don't trust anybody else. And there's another chapter to it, and that includes God. The reason I like to control it is because I can trust myself. I know what's going to happen there. I know what my motivation is. I'm able to read circumstances and situations. I'm able to get an appraisal and an understanding of it. And because of that, I'm able to make some kind of a a deposit into that situation. And I can trust it because I know that I'm doing my best to make sure that this situation changes and comes about the way that I'm looking for. I know what the end result is. I know what the product is that I'm trying to achieve. And I can trust myself to do it. I don't know that other people can do it quite as well as I can. I don't know that they necessarily understand it quite to the way that I do, And I don't really know that they necessarily have what's required of them to be able to get the output. So I won't rely on those things. I won't trust anybody else. And I believe in God and I love God and I'm going to pray in this stuff. But in truth, I don't really trust him. I won't take myself out of the equation to sit and say, I know who's going to take care of this situation. I'm okay. We'd rather leave the church. (laughs) Where did that come from? Because it's something that's instilled inside of us as human beings. Oh, my water. There's something that's inside of us as human beings. Where did that originate? Sorry, we've got a little bit of a juggling act today. You see, innately within man, there is something that's born on the inside of him that goes back to our original nature, that goes back to the seeds and the roots of stuff that happened in the garden. You see, in the garden, what ended up happening was God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. I'm I'm covering a few steps that we've done for the last couple of weeks because I have to set a, a grounding and a foundation here. What he was saying was this. Let us create man in our image, the source of who he should be, so that he can reflect our lightness, the fruit of his life. What he was saying was, I'm going to create man, and I'm going to put my life on the inside of man, and my life on the inside of man is to be the source of man. It's to be the inspiration. It's to be the creativity. It's to be the impetus. It's to be the empowering. It's to be the ability. It's to be his knowledge. Everything comes from the life of God that was put on the inside of Adam. This will be the source of who he is. And as a result of him living from the source, what will end up happening is he will reflect our lightness. The fruit of his life will reflect the greater one lives on the inside of me. It takes us back to what it means to be a born-again believer. You see, as a born-again believer, you were a branch. And you are to be grafted into the vine. It is the same equation. What Jesus was doing was, Jesus was taking us back to the garden and he was saying, I need for you to understand what my original design was. The very life of God that's come and taken over the inside of your being. The moment that you became a born again creation. The moment that the life of Christ came and inhabited you on the inside. He said, I'm just instilling back on the inside of you the very source of your being. The source of everything that is to define who you are. And as you live from that place, and as you live from the greater one on the inside of you, all of a sudden you'll walk into his likeness, and I will begin to reflect the image of who he is. You see, the life is in the vine. And as the branch gets grafted into the vine, the life that's in the vine moves into the branch, That whole equation of movement, the movement and the flow of life from vine to branch is what we call faith. Faith is the branch recognizing the fact that the vine is there and the fullness of life and everything that I need is coming from the vine. And as a result of that, because I'm connected to that, it begins to change who I am and what I'm all about. And it starts to build his life inside of the branch and allows me to bear fruit that comes from the vine, not from me. It's the life of faith. The life of faith becomes so important because God operates by faith. In order for us to effectively connect with the source of our life, which is Him. We have to become people of faith. People of faith is when we move into that realm where we live out of relationship from who He is. Because we know who He is and because we trust Him. Because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because He's the one who loves me so much that He will take care of me far beyond I could ever take care of myself because he is interested in every little last aspect of my life. Can I trust him with those things? It only tr- comes out of relationship with him. But trust becomes so important because the trust becomes a, a, a foundational principle to confidence. It's not only because of who he is, but it's because of what he says. Because he is the person I can trust, everything he tells me, I can have confidence in that that's what he's committed himself to. And as a result of that, it constitutes faith. I'm prepared to live off of that platform. What's important about this dynamic as well is understand this. The life of God exists in my spirit and he connects with me and he interacts with me and he communicates with me and he communes with me from his spirit to my heart faith is a heart reality it is not a head reality What he puts on the inside of you is designed to give you the confidence and to give you a design for what it is that he's wanting to do. And because I know him, he's going to invite me to do some things that when I have a look at it in the natural, it defies logic. It defies reason. It defies those things. But why am I doing it? Because I know who he is and I have confidence in who he is. And because he said to me, I want you to do this. I know that he will always honor his word. And so I act out of that. There is a different disposition and a different attitude to life. When I am a person who lives from the life that's on the inside of me. Why was Adam a dominion figure? It wasn't because he was special. It was because he had the life of God on the inside of him. When the life of God and the creator of the universe lived inside of Adam and he communed with Adam, what he was doing is he was taking of his life and imparting it to Adam. And as he imparted it to Adam and Adam lived from that space, he began to reflect and he showed forth the likeness of the creator. What happened was, what gave influence in that space was God's authority, not Adam's. That's why he was a dominion figure. That's why he could do what he did was because the greater one lived on the inside of him. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The works that I do is not of me, it's of the Father on the inside. What was he saying? I recognize what it is to live by faith. I know who the source of my life is. I understand that if I can connect with the source of my life, I can reflect his likeness. That's the calling to each one of us is to live from a different space. So in Genesis chapter 3, Eve is out in the garden. And the temptation that Satan gives her is this. Why don't you get your knowledge from a source other than God? Why don't you get your knowledge from a source other than God? I'll tell you what. If you eat of this fruit, what will end up happening is the eyes of your understanding will be opened and you will become like God. And Eve's eyes twinkled. And she got excited. Because she recognized that in that space, what could happen is I could be like the source that informed who I am. And she listened to the voice and she ate the fruit. And in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, actually you can put it up. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and she ate. She took of the fruit and she ate. And you know what it says? Immediately the eyes of her understanding were opened. And you know what happened in that moment? All of a sudden, the source of life left. And she said, I recognized that I was naked. What was she saying? It wasn't concerned about physical nakedness. What she was saying was, I knew the life that was on the inside of me. I knew the life that pulsated through me. I knew the confidence that I lived from on the inside of me. And in a moment, it was gone. And I felt myself alone and I felt exposed and I felt vulnerable because all of a sudden I recognized I was living from a different place and the very source of my life and the power of my being was gone. Amen. What happened? What happened? The temptation was to shift the source of your life from, Christ, from the, the Spirit of God being on the inside of you to my understanding. I no longer lived by faith as a branch engrafted to the vine. All of a sudden, I began to live from my understanding and what creation was all about. And there was a big shift that took place. All of a sudden, the foundation of man shifted, and, they saw, and man's source of life was gone, it was absent. We succumb to the same temptation today. How many times do we have challenges and situations that we're facing? And what is the temptation? You could be like God in this situation. If you will live from your will and your understanding. From your will and your understanding. And what do we do? We walk into that space and we sit and say, The source of my life in this situation is going to be my will. And my understanding. This is what I see, and this is what I think, and this is how I appraise the situation, and this is what I would do. And all of a sudden, what happens in that space is I've taken over the government of my life once again. I've put myself on the throne of what's going to happen in that space, and I live from that paradigm. I'm living from a place where I'm looking for those things to take place. And you know what happens? The moment I put myself on the throne, And the moment I take responsibility for the government of that situation, I've just separated myself from him. What's the whole point of him coming? What was two-thirds of Jesus' message? The kingdom has come. What is he talking about? He's sitting saying, get off the throne. That's the whole message of kingdom. The whole message of kingdom is, I can't do some stuff in your life because you're running the government because you're sitting on the throne. Your knowledge and how you think it should operate is running everything. And you separate it from me because there's no space for me in that paradigm to come in. The whole message of kingdom is, I need you to get off the throne so I can get on. Why? Because it changes the source of of influence in that situation. As long as you're sitting on the throne, you're living from your understanding. When he sits on the throne, he lives as the creator, as the overcomer, as the victor, as the one who's more than a conqueror. Things happen when he's on the throne, not when I'm on the throne. That's That's why God calls us to live by faith and not by our understanding. What is he saying? When he says, I'm calling you and the invitation is to live by faith, he's saying, I want you to recognize the source of your life. I want you to once again reclaim your destiny. I want you to get back to that space where you understand that the source of my life is him on the inside of me. And so when I walk into circumstances and situations, I don't walk in with my natural understanding and my natural appraisal. I'm walking in because I've developed a sensitivity to the life that's on the inside of me. And I walk into that paradigm and I sit and say, Holy Spirit what are we doing here Come on. Come on Come on it changes everything's shifted the irony is we try to understand the things of God and yet in our understanding we gain no awareness of who he is You see, God doesn't live in your head. God lives in your spirit. And God connects from your spirit to your heart. Our challenge is because we always want to be the Lord of our lives because we always want to be the source of everything because we want to rely on our knowledge and understanding we always want to take the things of god and we want to assimilate them and process them and mill them around in our head and when it doesn't make sense to us we put paradigms and limitations on god 1st corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 Um, but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned you know what he's saying he's saying you can't understand the things of God in your head The only way that we understand the things of God is when we go to him as our source and we connect with him and we allow him to influence our heart. It'll create a reality and a truth that's on the inside that invites us to encounter that before you ever understand it. Understanding never gets to recognize and appreciate that you can become a father at 100 years of age. Why do we laugh? Because our reasoning kicks in and it goes, those things don't happen. What happens? I'm on the throne. That doesn't happen in my economy. It does in God's. That's the problem. You see, when I sit on the throne, God wants to do some stuff in my life, but my reasoning and my understanding it kicks in, and as a result, my will kicks up, and I sit and say, but that can't happen, because I'm living from my understanding. The thing is that God doesn't live from your understanding. God's life is arrived on the inside of you. And he says, if you will connect with me, if you will listen to my voice, I will do some stuff on the inside of you that will build up a confidence in me and who I am. And you will move into some spaces and you'll do some things that logic will look at and say, it shouldn't happen. It's because you can't understand the things of God in your head. Every time we do that, we get back to Eve's paradigm. We're trying to run the show. Give me a plan. Give me a point. Give me a strategy. Show me what I need to do. And God's saying, I need you to do one thing. Get out of the way. Amen. Get off the throne. Give me the government of your life. That's right. Do you think for a why was Abraham the father of faith? Because when God appeared to him and God said, I'm not only going to give you a son. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. There's a dream. When you don't have a child at 100 years of age, it's a big one. Why he, was he the father of faith? Because it didn't matter what was happening. It didn't matter what was going on in his situations. It didn't matter what his reality looked like. He turned around and he said, God told me and I know who God is. And if he's committed himself to that word, it's coming to pass. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know what it looks like. I'm not going to go down that road, but I want you to know something. I'm living by connection with the greater one who spoke to me. There is a place where we live from the reality of who God is. Not because we believe in some God who sits up there somewhere, but because I live a very textured and living and vibrant reality with the God who exists on the inside of me. And when he speaks to me about my circumstance and my situation, it'll very often be in conflict to what I see and what I feel and what I think and what everybody else around me is telling me. But it doesn't matter because what becomes most important is I'm being led and I'm being guided by the truth that's established on the inside of me. 5,000 people. Here are a couple of fish and five loaves. Go and feed them. Our logic kicks in and said, it's never going to work. The equation doesn't add up. We don't have the possibility to do what we need to do in this situation. And Jesus doesn't pay any attention. He says, just go and break it. Why? Because he lived from a different paradigm. He was living from a reality on the inside of him that colored his perspective of what his life was all about. And when he lived from connection with the greater one on the inside of him, he saw possibilities, he saw opportunities, he saw creation, he saw being able to deliver stuff into our environments and change our circumstances and situations that the natural eye couldn't see. We were never called to be natural people. You were called to be a spiritual person. A spiritual person connects with a life inside of me and lives in the expect chain, expectation of change. It lives in the dynamic of the fact that there is a vibrancy and a vitality on the inside of me. And when that oozes out into my situations, it brings about change. It's not me. It's him. The problem is every time I get on the throne, I want to control it. Jesus spat on the ground, rubbed mud, put it on somebody's eyes. And says, just go and wash it off and you'll be fine. You'll see. Do you think for a moment he sat there and he thought, really? Told a guy who couldn't walk just to get up and walk, why can't you just do the same for me? Why do I get mud on the eyes? I guarantee you, there was a, some space within there where he thought, does it really matter if I go and wash it off or not? Does it really matter? Yes, it does matter. It becomes important, it becomes salient. Because the thing about it is we're shifting the way that we're operating. We're changing the way that we're moving through life. And we're becoming people who are becoming ultimately aware and sensitive to the fact that his presence is within me. And his presence isn't there just to buy time until you die and go to heaven. That's right. That's right. His presence is there because he's wanting you to get to know him. And he's looking for you to live from that space because it won't only change you, but it'll change your paradigm to life. I think I was going to say something else about that. I can't remember what it was. Faith is about becoming, not understanding. Faith becomes it before you understand it. Abraham became a father before he was able to understand how that happened, before his ability, his reason was kicked in. If you can understand it, there's no need for faith. If I wake up in the morning and I'm coming here on Sunday, I don't have to sit and say, Jesus, please give me the faith to get to the church. I know how to get there. It's okay. I don't need my faith in that situation. But there are some situations and some circumstances in life. There are some things that happen in our life. There are some challenges that are going to come into your life. And in that space, it's not about our understanding. It is about the Great One being on the inside of me. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not your head. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own. In all your ways, acknowledge the greater one who lives on the inside of me. And he will direct your paths. What is he saying? I'm looking for opportunity for you to live my likeness. I'm looking for opportunities for you to introduce life into the situations that you go into. I'm looking for you to be able to come to a place where you recognize what's alive on the inside of you. The vitality and the truth that's alive on the inside of you. And as you begin to connect with that space, and as you begin to live from that place, what will end up happening is you're going to begin to change from the inside out. Don't worry if your head shouts. Don't worry if your emotions kick in. Understand it's irrelevant to the equation. It's just head stuff. Don't get caught up in head stuff. It's always the temptation. Because when you step back into head stuff, what you've just done is bumped him off the throne and saying, I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. Modern Christianity is the human mind trying to understand God. The salvation of God is the life of Christ being birthed in the surrendered heart. So much of modern Christianity nowadays is trying to understand who God is and what God is all about. We're trying to understand him because we believe that if we can understand God, if we can give definition to God, basically it puts us at a place where we are empowered to begin to live out like that. What he's saying is you will never do that. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. They are much higher than you. And your ability as a created being to understand the creator is not possible. You don't have that capacity or that capability. And the thing about it is, the moment you step into reason, the challenge is that the locus of of operation becomes sense knowledge. What it means is, I'm looking at my world, and I'm looking at my environment, and I'm listening to voices, and all of this stuff begins to influence who I am. In God's economy, economy, what is created is irrelevant to the Creator. That has no bearing on him. For him, he walks into a space and he goes, what would I like to change here? What needs to be shifted in the space? What needs to move and be adapted in here? That's the way God works. Sometimes we get in the way of God because we get so caught up in the world and what's happening out here and our senses and our understanding, we're blocking what God's trying to do because we put parameters on the move of God in our life. We put limitations on the Spirit's operation in our life. Why? Because our thinking has put some paradigms out there. God doesn't work beyond that. What have we done? We've taken the things of God and we're starting to assimilate them in our understanding. And in our assimilation, we've ended up blocking and putting encumbrances on God and what it is that he wants to do. I find that I can't do things in that space because it's not open to me. In Mark chapter 4, it's the story of Jesus. Jesus. And he's with the disciples. And they've been busy and they've been preaching and they've been healing people and doing a whole bunch of stuff. And Jesus says to them, Okay, we're going to go to the other side now. And so they get into the boat and they start heading to the other side. And while they're on their way, this big storm comes up. Jesus is fast asleep in the boat. I've never really understood that. I wish I slept like Jesus. (laughs) I'm a light sleeper it's like honestly it's a a half a mouse runs anywhere and I'm awake he's in the storm and he's fast asleep and that's another story the point is he's fast asleep and the disciples are having a look at the storm and it's so bad understand this these are not amateurs these are fishermen These are people who are used to the sea. That was their whole life and their livelihood. They'd grown up with it. They understood the sea and they understood how it operated. So when a fisherman says to you, we're in pretty good danger of dying here. (laughs) You take note. (laughs) And they're looking at the situation and they turn around and they say, wake up Jesus. That's our only hope. And they go and they wake him up and Jesus looks up and what does Jesus say to them? Why have you got no faith? Why have you got no faith? This is the important point. Wave if you're born again. This is your boat. I want you to know something. Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is in the boat. And you might be going through a storm, and you might be going through a trial. Don't make the mistakes that the, di- that the disciples did. This was their mistake. They ignored the fact that Jesus was sleeping in the boat, and they looked at the storm. You see, their faith was not far away. Their faith was with them in the boat. Jesus doesn't bring faith with him. Jesus is faith. When you know that he is God, and you understand that, and you have a trust and a confidence in who he is, what ends up happening is, it's not just that my confidence is established in the fact that I have God with me, but he said to me, we are going to the other side. What he made is a commitment on his behalf that said, we're going to get there. The challenge is, very often we go outside of our boat because the temptation is, let's lean to my own understanding as a fisherman. I know what it is to live life. I know what it is to raise a family. I know what it is to take care of my kids. I know what it is to deal with the circumstance and situation. I feel more comfortable doing it because I'm in control and I trust myself. And when the wheels come off horribly, we say, Jesus, what's going on? And he said, I've been in the boat. Why didn't you look to me? Yeah, when we look to him and we listen to him, what's going to happen is a divine confidence starts to build up on the inside of you. It's not to say that the reality of your situation isn't out there. It's not because you're blind. It's not because you've got blinkers on. It's not because you've buried your head. It's because Jesus is in my boat. And I've got to a place where I know I don't want to handle that because I can't handle that stuff. And I'm being very intentional about connecting with him and sitting saying, I need you in this space. I recognize your presence here. Talk to me and tell me a word. You want to get from him the equivalent of, you're going to the other side. What did he tell you about your situation? To know that he's in your boat is half the equation. I have confidence because I know he's in here but my relationship with him is vital because it's when I approach him and I sit and say, this is what I'm going through, talk to me about it what I'm saying is, I recognize you as my source, and what I'm saying is, I'm coming to you I want for you to tell me what's going to happen in this place, because if you tell me, I know who you are if you tell me, I trust you if you give me your word, I know that you'll honor it, and because of those things, something will happen on the inside of who I am, that gives me a confidence despite the fact that my intellect and my logic and my experience and my emotions and everything else is at war with it. That's right. yeah. I thought that was good. Yeah. He's in your boat. Yeah. He's in your boat. Yeah. If you ever lose sight of that, you lose sight of the most important area of your life. I'm learning to live from a different place. That's right. I can't believe how blind I've been. Don't laugh at my expense. <laughs> you look in the mirror and take care of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we don't think that way. We don't think that way. And we do think sometimes. And, and afterwards I sit and say, say, you know what? I wouldn't do that if Jesus was standing right here. But he is. There are certain things I don't do because I don't want to offend him. Why? Because I'm wanting to get more connected with presence. It's not because he throws me out because you're so awful. What happened to David? They had a different arrangement under the Old Testament as opposed to the New Testament. You see, under the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people. And the Holy Spirit came upon David when he was anointed, when he was young. And he did some incredible stuff. And he achieved some amazing things. And when there were opportunities to sit and embrace things that were natural, he said, no, God will take care of it. All I need is a slingshot. I don't need your armor and I don't need anything else. He achieved and he did some stuff because he recognized the presence. He was aware of the presence. He consulted the presence and he acted out of the presence. But there came a day in his life where he was on his rooftop. And because he was on his rooftop, temptation came on another rooftop. And temptation led to some bad stuff. He knew it was out of God's design. What did he say? What did he say when he came out of that? I don't care about anything else. Please, don't take your presence from me. It was number one. Don't take your presence from me. Because he knew it could lift And without the presence, he would never be the king that he was designed to be. He would never be the person he was designed to be. You have the presence within you. You see, and in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit doesn't only come, he can come upon you in certain times. But he lives within you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. But you can separate and distance yourself from him through the choices you make. Where was I going with this? What was I talking about? I was talking about something else. Where was I? Oh! We're talking about Jesus in the boat. Were you paying attention? None of you even told me where I was. (laughs) Never take your presence from me. We're learning more and more about the fact that the greater one lives inside me. We love to say that scripture. Greatest he that in me, the Jesus in the world. Great one lives inside, blah, 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 Stop for a moment and think about what you're saying. Come on, come on now. You're talking about the creator of the universe has taken up residence on the inside of you. Come on, come on. Well, if God was here, God could do that. He's inside you. Come on well, if God was here, he wouldn't have put up with, he's inside you. We have a disconnect in some way. In theory, we understand God's inside of me. But we don't always live from that. My encouragement to you today is to recognize this. The presence is there. Abide in the presence. When we begin to live from the presence... There is a trust that begins to stir up and build up on the inside of us. When you live from the presence, it moves to a place where all of a sudden I begin to hear his voice. Actually, let me take that away. I've become very aware of our languaging. We say stuff, but it's not always... What we mean is right, but it's not accurate. I don't like using hear his voice, because the problem with it is it creates a picture for a lot of people that God has to speak to you. He doesn't, God doesn't speak to me. He doesn't speak to me that way. He communicates with me. He doesn't speak to me. God can communicate in different ways. He gives some people vision. For me, when God speaks to me, there'll just be an, eye, an idea that suddenly, I'm like, where did that come from? And I know it came from him. He doesn't use words. God can communicate with you in different ways. The point is, when you get connected with the Spirit and you become overtly aware of the fact that the greater one lives on the inside of you, when you start to take the presence and you elevate that to a primary position in your life and you begin to live from that space, you'll become overtly aware of His presence. It's not just that it's there, but now I'm I'm aware of it. And when I become aware of it, and I begin communicating with it, what ends up happening is things start to change on the inside of me because it's not just about his presence only, but it's about his invitations. People want to know, how do I experience God? You experience God when you allow him to do some stuff inside of you. How do I experience him? Because Abraham walked into a space where he was like, I'm not a father of a single individual, let alone a father of many nations. But the fact of the matter is, what kept him going, what kept him moving, it wasn't what he knew, it was an awareness of his presence inside of him. His, the faith that had been birthed on the inside of Abraham was basically the faith of God. It was something that God invited him into. And he knew that he knew that he knew that God wanted him to experience that. That's how we experience God. There is something on the inside of us that just it transcends reason and understanding or everything else. You just know on the inside. Amen. I know it. That's right. Wait, what is that? It's Him. I'm feeling something of Him. Faith offers us the opportunity to experience God internally faith is what connects who i am to who he is it's a channel through which i'm able to touch the presence that's on the inside of me and allow him to establish something of himself in me and i live from that truth i live from that establishment i live from that reality despite anything that's happening or anything else that i think Oh, good gracious. Have I been yacking that long? If you have a look at um, Matthew chapter 8, I'm not going to read it. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 10. Um, actually, Donna, won't you put it up a second? There are two things that I want you to see from this. When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him. That's big right there. When the presence entered, the centurion went to the presence. There's too much that happens in our life and we don't go to the presence. We want to know why things aren't happening in our life. It's because I'm trying to answer them, but I've never gone to the presence. He came to him. My encouragement to you today is this. Jesus is inside. The life of Christ is on the inside of you. Come to him. What he's saying is, before you go out and do battle, before you engage, before you do anything, come to me. Come to me. Okay. Pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. That was it. That's all he wanted. That's all he wanted. What? He recognized the presence. And he went to the presence and he said, this is my problem. And the presence said, I will come and heal him. That's all he needed to hear. And he said, that's it. Thank you. And he started to walk away. And Jesus said, hey, where are you going? And he said, it's okay. You don't need to come. It's okay. Come on. You see, I came to you. I know what you can do. I know who you are. All I was looking for was for you to tell me what, that you would do it. That's all I needed. You gave me that word. It's good enough. He'll be healed. I'm going home to go and check on him now. You carry on with your day. And what did Jesus say? I've never seen so great a faith. What was the great faith? It wasn't because the centurion had something special about who he was. Apart from the fact that he recognized the value of the presence. And he knew if I could put myself in the presence. And I could communicate with the presence. And I could tell the presence what my challenge was. And I could hear his voice. That's all I need to know. Because it established on the inside of him something that he could live from. It doesn't matter what it looks like. He told me he's he's going to heal him. Yeah, but you don't. It doesn't matter. But don't you understand people? It doesn't matter. We've got too much stuff in our life that matters. Nothing matters when you get to that place. We haven't got to that place like we should have. The opportunity is to recognize this. You want to know who you are? You will discover who you are when he lives his life through you. Otherwise you will discover who you are as you live your life through yourself. Somebody has to sit on the throne. The whole point about me dying to self is sitting saying, I recognize the fact that what the presence can do and the power that he brings will bring transformation. Let me step aside for the presence. It's dying to self is coming to that place where I'm sitting saying, you know what? I, I'm inviting you, Jesus, to come into the space. Here is the throne. Take it on. What are you going to do in this place? I know that my head might go wild and all kinds of stuff might happen. It doesn't matter. Just give me your word and tell me what you're going to do. And that's enough for me. Great faith. Great faith. We come to that place when we start to recognize the presence and live from the presence. Don't go and believe God for a jumbo jet, okay? Well, let me, let me say something about that. Th- this runs the risk of being perverted. This is not about you. This is about him. Yeah. That's why his word is always important. Because you st- we step into a place of presumption when we go to him and ask him for what we want and ask him to bless it. And then we get upset because it's like, well, God said he's going to provide all my needs and I'm praying for my jumbo jet and it hasn't arrived. He never said I'll give you that. What did he tell you? I don't know. What he told you is something that's going to come out of intimacy between you and him. And if he never told you that, you can't hold him to it. My kids can't tell me I'm upset with you because you never took me to sweet frog. It's like I never told you I would. (laughs) It's presumption. What did he tell you? That's why relationship with him becomes so important. Because there is a dynamic to that where I have to understand what it is that he's saying to me. Because when I get what he's saying to me, I can sit and say, you know what? I know you'll honor your word. And that's where my confidence comes from. We have the potential. To live the most exciting lives. I'm speaking for myself. We haven't scratched the surface. We really haven't. And very often the things that concern us and worry us. Is very much a function of the fact that I'm sitting on the throne. And truly if I would recognize the presence. And begin to step into that a little bit more. And if I honored that space. And sat and said Jesus. I I don't want to do this. I want to see you in the space. I want to feel you within me. Yeah. It invites us into something new. I'm going to tell you something, but please understand. let me do this another way. Wherever you are today, you may have some significant and serious challenges in your life. What I would suggest to you is this. Your paradigm and your perspective will shift drastically if you can approach him and get a word from him. And when you live from a different pe- place, what will end up happening is you will think some of the things that you thought were so big and so monstrous and so life-defining for you actually become quite insignificant. Sometimes the things that we think are so big are really that big. The reason that they're so big is because we've allowed them to give definition to our life. And when we marginalize their ability to influence us, suddenly they take on perspective, and we go, oh, that's not as big a deal as I thought. I can live my life outside of that context. Can we all stand? My encouragement for you this week is this. Be intentional about connecting with the presence that is within you. He committed that if you will come to him, he will come in and he will live within you. And he will make you a brand new creation. His life is there. Sometimes it just is a little bit challenging for us to be able to connect with it. It's okay. He understands that. That's why he's given us the Holy Spirit. If you find it challenging, ask the Holy Spirit. You're here as my guide. I'm asking you to help me connect with the Spirit that's on the inside of me. Let him take you and let him lead you. Let him communicate with you and your way may be different to somebody else's. Some people hear stuff. Some people see visions. Other people get ideas. Some people get promptings. I don't know, but you'll know it's it's him when it comes. You'll just sense it inside of you. I'm trying to encourage you to be intentional about being aware of the presence. And if you're in that space and you're comfortable in that space, my encouragement to you is to dig deeper into that space. Look for opportunities to sit and say, I don't want to live a nine-to-five life. I'm looking for presence to manifest. I want to live from your image as the source of my life so I can reflect your likeness. Show me how to do that in this. Just before we pray, um, at the end of service, there'll be people to pray with you. If you've got an issue, if, you've got, if you need the presence to influence something in your life, I would encourage you to come up to the front and let people pray with you. And let people who um, are comfortable in that space be able to introduce the presence into that reality. Father, I thank you for your life that indwells us. I thank you for the Spirit of Christ that's alive on the inside of us. And I pray that you'll work in us so that we'll understand and have a very clear perspective on your presence within. I thank you that it's not because of our ability or our understanding or our knowledge or what we can do. But I thank you that it's as a result of us depending and coming to you within us hearing your voice, getting your direction, and living from that place. I thank you for the creation of a new generation of people. Spiritual people, peculiar people, people who live from the inside out, not the outside in. I thank you for people who are moved and motivated, not by their understanding or their knowledge, but people who are motivated by the life and the vibrancy and the vitality of the life within them. I thank you for opening our understanding. I thank you, Father, that we're not moved by what we see or what we feel or what our intellect may tell us, but we move solely by the prompting and the movement of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. I thank you that we're not people who lean to our own understanding, but we acknowledge you in all of our ways. And I thank you as a result of that acknowledgement, you will lead our paths and introduce us to encounters with your presence, with transformation, with change, with newness, with life. We bless you for it and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.